my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. Today, I'm ready to receive the incorruptible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. I'll never be the same again. Come on! In Jesus' name, amen. Now your best shout ever. That was a good shout. John chapter 11, starting in verse 1. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them wiped them with her hair. Her brother, Lazarus, was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stared where he was for the next two days. Finally, his disciple, he said to his disciples, let's go to Judea. But his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of the world. But at night, there's danger of stumbling because they have no light. Then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. The disciple said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he will be get better. That's what I thought. <laughs> Verse 13, they, they thought that Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now, you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. Well, let's jump into today. I pray you're blessed. If you're visiting with us today, this is week seven, and this is the last one. So we circled the airport last week, and now we're landing the plane. So I have been really praying about how to land this plane on the topic fact-checked, meaning the reality of Jesus' resurrection and it being real to us. Here's the thought we've used every week. We'll pull it up and then jump straight into this week. From day one, the resurrection story of Jesus was touted as fake, but even his own disciples that followed him thought it was nonsense. So I think we put ourselves in a good category over the last six weeks that if you've ever questioned his reality, if you've ever wondered, is Jesus real? If you've ever wondered, does God care? I think you jump into a good category of people that even the fellas and girls that followed him in the beginning, they questioned it too. So we've tried to pull that out. All of that's on YouTube. You can check it out on our playlist. I pray you enjoy it. Let's jump into this week. Here's what Ryan read from John 11. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped him with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, and this is the thought, Lord, your dear friend is sick. I want you to understand as we live life, the topic I'm going to talk about today is rather a morbid topic, but I think it needs to be talked about. 
I think it needs to be talked about of how we grow old, how do we handle life when it comes against us. Uh, here's Lazarus, who's a friend of Jesus, sick, and they actually go to God. So that's what I found out as Christians. When things aren't going well, we typically go to God and go, Hey, this is going on in my life. I need you to fix this. I need you to remedy it. Next verse, this is what happens. So Jesus hears about it and says, Well, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God, so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, and this is a real shock to me, and I've lived this out. Jesus just kind of hangs out for a few more days. So it's, God, God, I got a problem. I really need you to come fix my problem. I really need to know if you'll come fix my problem. Jesus like, yeah, but not today. Not going to happen for you today. Well, when are you going to come? It's none of your business. But, and then here's what I think. Well, if you don't come right now, he must not love me. If he doesn't come right when I request the help, if he doesn't show up the moment I say, get me out of this hole then maybe he doesn't love me. But this story assumes that even though things in life don't happen, listen now, this is a key thought, that things don't happen the way you think they should happen, you cannot equate that it means God doesn't love you. And a lot of times we look at what life deals us, and when we see what life deals, we start equating how God is. Well, I prayed for sickness to go away, he took his own sweet time, and now he's dead, so therefore God must not love me, God's not real, whatever. Let's continue to read. It gets even more interesting. And then he said in verse 11 of John 11, our friend Lazarus is falling asleep, which now this becomes interesting. I will go and wake him up. And the disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he will soon get better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping. But Jesus meant Lazarus had died, so he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now, you'll really believe. Come, let's go see him. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let's go too. Gotta love this guy, and let's just die with Jesus. Here's the morbid thought I want to talk about today that seemingly not many like talking about that are Christians. The way Jesus views death is distinctly different than what many Christians believe death to be. Jesus looks at death differently than you and I look at death. And what I want to share with you today is something I learned years ago in my, I think, 20s. I learned a powerful lesson that I want to share to you as I thought, how do I end this teaching about the power of Jesus and this text jumped out and I thought I'm gonna just talk on a subject that not many talk about and it's morbid but it's that everybody in this room is gonna die one day I wish it was not true I often pray well if God comes back we don't have to die but if Jesus doesn't come back everybody in this room the skinny people the healthy people the fat people the sick people the mean people we all go to the same place. We will have an event where we will bury you. We'll, we'll lie if we need to. We'll say, <laughs> we'll say whatever we need to say. We'll send you on. Perhaps if you've lived a good life here, we'll remember you. Maybe you'll have left a book behind. Maybe you will have left memories behind, pictures. But I can guarantee you the further we get away from you, the less likely people remember you. I'll go to my daughter Stella. I imagine she has very little memory at best of my, my grandmother. 
and mainly my grandmother that meant so much to me and what she did for me, for my daughter Stella, it's just a picture, a remember when. Nobody likes talking about it. Especially if you're young, you just never want to think about it. But when you pass second base, you kind of start going, hmm, it's coming. And when your parents are in their 80s and you eat lunch with them every week and they, you hear him say, whew, seems like just yesterday I passed myself coming. Like that's how fast it goes. <laughs> that's about how fast it rolls around. And my mother always says, well, Christmas gets here fast at our age. It's about as quick as you can snap a finger. But here, here's what I want to talk about, though, that I think is important. Many Christians, because they don't understand death, fear it. Many people who believe in Jesus and believe that if they die, they'll go to another world. They'll go to another place called heaven. They'll be with grandmom. They'll be with the angels. Even though that is true, many Christians fear it because it's unknown. And the reason we fear it is because it's unknown. You don't know how you're going to die. Which would be morbid if God laid that out. If God told you you're going to die this way, everybody in the room would be like, not me. I ain't going to die. And God's like, you're going to die at, at 92 and you're going to stump your toe. It's going to turn gangrene. You're out of here. You, you, you would never go barefooted. You'd be like, I'm not dying stumping my toe. You'd be walking around with toadstill boots on, Carhartt everywhere. There would be no tables with legs at all in your home. We all sit on the floor. Why? Because God said at 92, I'm going to stump my toe. And now you're 92, still toe boots. Your children, grandchildren, great-grand, nobody's ever even seen your toes. You bathe with your shoes on. Because by God, I'm not going to die the way God tells me I'm going to die. You put your faith in these nice Georgia boots. They're wonderful. You, you've just been through all kind of stuff with them. And then at night you wake up. And in the middle of your sleep, you stump your toe. In a dream. Because God didn't tell you you would stump it in reality. He just said you'll stump your toe. But in your dream, when you stumped it in your dream, and you died. With your boots on. And God's like, I told you. Why didn't you tell me it was a dream? Because you're so stupid you would have never slept. <laughs> but oh, I guarantee you we fear it. And the reason he doesn't tell you when is because you would do everything to mess it up. If he said you're going to leave life in a car wreck, you would, you would buy a horse. You really would. That's the way we are. We laugh at it because it's so true. The reason we fear it is we don't know when and we don't know how. So because I don't know when and I don't know how, I'm going to do everything to try to stave it off. Now here's what we know about the, the when and the how. Only God knows. Everybody in this room, strange though it may feel, Everybody in this room has a day that God has marked you will leave planet earth. It's an appointed time. Now he says about that time, if you're stupid, you can get out early. He does. Ecclesiastes, only a fool dies before his time. 
So even God says, in your own humanity, you can get off planet Earth earlier than I intended because of your stupidity. But if you follow God, walk with God, live with God, listen to God, you can get to your day on the day he said you're coming home would be the day you'll go home. All right? Now because of that unknown and because of the how and the when, we do our best to stave it off. We go to the gyms, we exercise, we walk. We try our best. Uh, I live, if you don't know, I wrote a book. This is so powerful. I literally, at 10 years old, watched a movie about a kid dying and at 10 years old planted a thought to die is to waste away with a brain tumor and watching that one show, that movie called Death Be Not Proud, that one movie put a seed in me that for 20 years I lived in fear that I might die. Off of a movie. So powerful was the thought that I might die. In college, my friend died. Jim died in a car wreck. And I just was like panic attacks. My wife Monica died in a car wreck from a drunk driver. I've had two people die in car wrecks. And I'm still in college. And the thought is not only did, hey, this guy in the movie died, your wife died, and the, the exact words I heard were, and you're next. As clear as I'm talking to you. And so as a 20-year-old guy, I ran three to five miles a day, went to the gym every day. I was in great shape. I know that's shocking to you right now. <laughs> I had abs. I don't know where they are, but they were there. <laughs> and I was fearful of dying. Yet I could go out, put my shoes on, and run five miles, not even blink an eye, but come home and be tormented. I'm going to die. We have our first daughter, Olivia. I don't know if any of you parents have ever been here. Every night I get up and shake her. Is she breathing? Is she breathing? Is she breathing? Rob's like, what are you doing? I'm like, just checking. You keep waking her up. I know, but every time she cries, I know she's alive. I did that through two of my daughters until finally I thought I can't live this way anymore. Obsessed that they might die in their sleep. And then if you want to know how funny life is, the moment you think my kid may die in your sleep, this is before Facebook and Instagram, every commercial is like, your kid could die in his sleep. Everything you see says that. If you just literally today look at a mole and go, ooh, hope that's not cancer, suddenly on Instagram, you could have skin cancer. You could be dying. Do you know a loved one that's died of skin cancer? You're like, oh God, it could be skin. Oh God, I'm dying of skin cancer. So what we do know is that though we believe in the afterlife as Christians, most people hate talking about the thing that gets you there. What does the old blues song say? Everybody wants to go to heaven. Nobody wants to die. It's miserable. I would rather not talk about it. Here's the scripture. Because God's children, and this is weird, because we're human beings made of flesh and blood, so the Son became, Jesus became flesh and blood, for only as a human being, weird this is, he tells us something about humans. All humans die. It's why Jesus had to become one. God couldn't die unless he's a human. That shows you the power of humanity. You got God that can't die, but humanity is so powerful when God becomes one, God can now die. He said, and only by dying, and here's the phrase in purple, could he break the power of the devil 
who had the power of death and set us free. And then this phrase in red, who all their life lived as a slave to the fear of dying. Here's the thought of the first one about death. Death is not an event. I know we like to make it an event. We call it a funeral. We print up a nice card that tells who all survived you. We have a website where you can give flowers in lieu of something else. If I go before all of y'all, I don't want flowers. I don't want food or baked beans or fried chicken. I would love you to give me a guitar. Just lay it with my dead body. You can take it once they close it. But what a great feeling to be an attorney and you go, somebody finally knew I like guitars. It's an event. It's a funeral. We bury you. We cry over you. We put you in the dirt. We throw you six foot down. We put concrete around you. We seal you in. You spend an exorbitant amount of money to keep worms and water out. We've got it. It's a double, triple, quadruple sealed, sealed. It'll keep that dead person in there dry for like 90 years. And I always want to say, has anybody ever dug up to see? But I'll pay the extra money because I don't want daddy getting wet. I don't want mama getting wet. I don't want worms down there. Oh, by the way, just to know we've sucked all the living life out of them. We put fluid in there that'll keep their body looking beautiful should you dig them up later. That's the event. We take you, we put grass, we stomp the grass, we mow the grass, we weed eat the grass, we put a nice rock on your head, and we say, here lies so-and-so. And if you've been a good person, somebody brings you flowers. And you're in eternity going, thank God, I didn't even know she liked me. Every week she brings me flowers. <laughs> and you get flowers. Fast forward, though, people forget about you if you're not careful. And so we try to stave this moment. But here's what we know. Death is not just a funeral. Death is a power held by the devil to enslave the human body. The devil's number one goal is to use a power to enslave your physical body. His job is to rob you from the life of God on planet earth and rob you from the life of God in the hereafter. He does not want you to enjoy the life at all. So for unsaved people, no big deal. But the moment somebody says, I believe in Jesus Christ and Jesus moves on the inside of you, your, your body, your internal self, you become born again. And this body becomes, man, it's the, it's the temple of God. Now the moment my physical body becomes the temple of God, an all-out war ensues. Because now that my body houses God, and it becomes God's temple on this planet to accomplish a purpose, what I find out about this body is that no matter how spiritual I get, no matter how much I fast and pray, no matter how much I go to the gym, no matter how many vitamins I take, or whether I choose bacon or broccoli, one thing is certain, this body is decaying. And there's nothing I can do about it except try to slow it down or be stupid and speed it up. 
But if I get up every morning, pray in tongues, have my coffee, have my Bible study, kind to everybody, give my tithes and offerings, go to church, kind to all people who cross my path, I'm still decaying. There's not a thing in the world I can do about it. My body, because of this fallen world we live in, as I get older, my body starts decaying. Now because I know that, I can be smart about that. I can go to the gym. When I was 20, I went to the gym every day. I would stay for hours. I would run three to five miles. I, and then you get 57 and you look sort of like you're kin to Winnie the Pooh now. <laughs> but the body becomes enslaved. I can't do what I used to do. So I tell myself, yes, I can. And then last night, me and Robin and the girls go to see Tom Cruise. Top Gun. He pops up on the screen. I'm good. It took me way back to the 80s, highway to the danger zone. I'm tearing up. I'm so touched. I'm like, this is awesome. <laughs> Wait, the best movie ever, Tom Cruise. How, now, now, here's what's weird. Everybody's going on. And now here's how we went to the movie. Show you how spiritual my wife is. We go to the movie with Robin going, oh, back in the 80s, the, the volleyball scene on the... <laughs> Girl Slider took his shirt off. Oh, oh mama. Oh. And I'm looking at her like, I'm sitting right by you. Why are you talking about some hot dude in a volleyball scene from the 1980s? Oh, it gets worse. They, they're sitting right there. My daughter's friend's mother sends her a picture of that. I'm like, what? and they're over there going, oh my God. And I'm like, and I'm eating buttered popcorn. I'm like, quit that. <laughs> well, all of a sudden they got to do it. It's Hollywood. All of a sudden they have not, not a volleyball scene. The spoiler here, close your ears, don't want to hear. They have a football scene on the beach. Everybody's shirtless. Everybody, all God's chilling are shirtless. And I'm sitting there just doing this like. And I hear, I hear my spirit-filled wife, my wife, spirit-filled, sitting, I've been married to her 30 years, sitting right next to me. This is exactly what she says. Oh, my. <laughs> what? What? And then my daughters are on Instagram trying to find the actors. I'm like, What? So now I finish my popcorn and my M&Ms and my milk duds and <laughs> we walk out. And so now I'm just irritated. I'm irritated that I'm like, there's no way. Google how old Tom Cruise is. Google it. Because he looks 27. Google it. I know he's older than that. Google it. So she Googles. She's like, honey, he's 59. I said, there's no way. You can't look that good at 59. He's got money. He's probably got cooks. He's probably got... Not thinking that he probably doesn't eat milk duds. <laughs> so what I do know, I do know is as hot as he looks. I'm just throwing that out there. His ripped deltoids just oozing with fibers of muscles. His hairless chest that literally looked like you could eat off of it. Just... <laughs> What, I, what helps me feel better is that one day he'll die. I don't, I don't know if they'll tell me when, but if he does, I'm going to the funeral and go, yes! 
Yes! I knew it! <laughs> but what we know, no matter... Now watch, this is important. No matter how much we try to stave off old age, death is a power and not one vitamin, not going to the gym, nothing can stop the power of death. It enslaves you. We can keep it on the planet long enough, but it enslaves you. Here's the next scripture. After that, 1 Corinthians 15, the end will come when Jesus will turn the kingdom over to the Father, having destroyed every ruler and authority and power. For Christ must reign until he humbles all his enemies beneath his feet, and the last enemy to be destroyed is what? Death. Here's the next thought. Death is not an event, it's an enemy. It's an enemy of Christ and, watch, it can only be destroyed by authority. That's it. I have to get myself out of death is a funeral. Death is the end of my life here. Death is end of life. Death is trying to stave it off as long as I can. What the Bible begins to teach me is that this culture teaches me death is this event. Death is the time you leave. And, and if you take care of this thing, you can stay here longer. But, but what the Bible teaches me is that death is a spirit. Death is a power. Death is an enemy. And there's no way a human, if a human could stave it off, you would have never need Jesus to come and do something. The one reality in the room, and I said it morbidly in a joke at the beginning, everybody in the room dies. That's the way it works. It's not fun. I don't like it. I don't like going to the events. I don't like remembering. I, I want everybody to live on this planet. But until something changes, there is a power that is an enemy, that is a spirit that has to be, this is the word, destroyed by an authority bigger than you. Now, what I want to share with you is something I learned years ago. It's in a story that I pray will, what I translate to you that's been translated to me, that it will become part of you. That's my goal. So my goal is not to preach a sermon about death. My goal is to take something my dad passed to me that I've proven to be true, I'm 57, he's 85, that I would love to pass to you now. Because what I see happening is, is totally contrary to what I read in Scripture because what I see happening is people believe in Jesus but they don't know how to die. Because nobody teaches us how to die, they only teach us how to live. I want to teach you how to die. I want to, I'm not talking suicide die. I'm talking about coming to the last moment of your life on earth and knowing how to be in charge of getting out of here. All right? May sound weird to you. Hang with me. I'm not going to start a cult next week. Here's the scripture. I saw the dead, both great and small, book of Revelation, standing before God's throne, and books were opened, including the book of life, and the dead were judged according to their works, what they had done. 
The sea gave up its dead. I'm just trying to prove it one more time. Death and the grave gave up their dead. And all were judged according to their deeds. And then this phrase in red, weird if you just casually read it, read right over it. Death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. You can't throw an event in the lake of fire. But you can throw a being into the lake of fire. What I need you to shift today is that death is not the end of you. Death is a spirit that has to be destroyed that's working on you. And, you, you, and what I said about teach you how to die, if you're not careful, you will identify with the spirit of death even though you believe in Jesus. Because the world system sets you up to agree with the spirit of death. You're going to get older. And oh my God, your old years are worse than your young years. It's a lie. The Bible says your latter years can be better than your early years. If you are old in this room, rejoice that you've made it that far. And those years can be better. Now the reason we don't think they're better is because in the old years, my body is decaying. So you kind of move a little slower. My dad, when he hits the golf ball, he hits it about 150 right down the middle. He's 85, right down the middle. I stand up, I'm like, I'm going to kill it. Right down the middle. And then over the trees, then over the other middle, and then over the other. 490 yards to the right, way out there. And he just kind of looks at me like, big dummy. But let me tell you, it's a lie that you're going to grow old and not know how you're going to die. They lie to you old people. They lie to you young people. Well, you don't know. It might be dementia. You might get cancer. You never know. I mean, my mother died. My daddy died this way. I mean, I'm just trying to stave it off. I don't want to die that way. I don't want to just be in some nursing home and all of a sudden my kids are having to take care of me for years. I, I don't want to die that way. And what happens is the world while we live feeds us this information of this definite uncertainty of the way you will leave the planet. You might have a stroke. You might get dementia. You might lose your sanity. Oh, you might. And so therefore you need to plan. You need to plan. Your loved one's taking care. And all of that's true. But it's because we've, we've been maybe not teaching us as believers how should a believer die. And if we're not careful, we go, well, just like everybody else because we're all humans. Because we think that if I believe in death, I'm not going to slowly move a little slower because our bodies do decay. But the moment my body comes to ticking out and it stops, we're at an impasse of what happens then. This is what he said. At that moment, if you'll understand how to deal with the power, you can die right. And by die right, I don't mean one way of death is wrong and the other. If you believe, you still get there. But I mean by die right, meaning you're not going to have to die scared, wondering of the unknown and fearful of it. So here's the thought. Death is not an event. Death is a spirit that keeps humans from God's life. Death is a spirit that's trying to keep God's life from you. Back to the story of my dad. My grandfather had a stroke. 
And he just was lingering in sickness. He was in a nursing home. And it was you know, the typical of who's going to take care of daddy, who's going to go see granddaddy, who's going to check on granddaddy, who's going to pay for it, how will we pay for it. Siblings are all involved. And, of course, hence my dad's involved. It was his father. It was my grandfather. And so my dad is going to pray over granddaddy one day at the, at the nursing home. Granddaddy had just been there lingering and of course it's eating up money, it's eating up emotions, it's eating up frustrations, it's, it's just everything involved with this dirty word called death. It sucks the life out of everything. And so my dad goes to pray for granddad Charlie, his name was Charlie, Mr. Charles. And my dad goes in there and he prayed over Mr. Charlie, laid hands on him and came home. And my dad said, this is the way I remember it. He said, when I was going to pray for daddy, God gave me a revelation. He said, the Lord told me that death is a spirit and death is a power that is trying to keep granddaddy from going to be with God. In other words, granddaddy's body is now shut down. And because death is a power, death laid over top of that body so that granddaddy couldn't escape the enslavery and go be with God. So dad goes in, and this was his testimony, and prayed, I break a spirit and power of death off of you. Death cannot hold you. I release you to God's life. You will either come up and live or you will go to be with God and live. But death cannot hold you anymore. And from that one prayer, granddaddy went to be with God. Now, I'm, I'm in my 20s, I think. When he shared that with me and I watched it play out, I heard, I, I said, granddaddy lingering, lingering, lingering. Prayer of authority, granddaddy's gone. And when he shared that, I really probably didn't care. I'm in my 20s, but it put a seed in me. God, that's powerful. And I started thinking it out, like trying to figure out, like, no wonder we've been sold a bill of goods. We're fearing something that need not be feared because death is an event. It's a power. Now watch. It is a power that wants to keep me from life. So I'm born. And as soon as I'm born, a power of death begins to work. But I don't care when I'm 20. I don't care when I'm 30. I roll up around 55 at halfway second base. And death has been looming the whole time. And I start coming down toward the end of my life. 60, 70, 80, 90. And now my body is just worn out. My body is tired. My body has done its job on planet earth. My body has housed the presence of God. But because of sin, my body's old. My body's tired, and it's time for me to exit out. And in that moment of exiting out, death that is plagued on me all through life to distract me from life sits over my life because it does not want me to continue life. Here's the scripture. And the thought, then I'll give you scripture. Death is not an event. Death is defeated for the believer. This is what you got to rethink now. Therefore, because of Christ, death has no authority to keep you from the life of God. 
Now, here's what we have to think. Where does the life of God play out? Two places. Life plays out here on earth. Life plays out there in eternity. Both are life. And God is trying to give you life while you're here in your human body. But then when your human body wears out, life just kicks on over and keeps going. So that there's never a moment. Here's what's weird. There's never a moment. The moment you put your faith in God, there's never a moment you're dead. Your body just comes to a place it wears out. But because death's power has been defeated, you just keep on going. And though we call that event, well, they died, the truth of the matter is, you didn't die, you just started clicking a whole nother life out. Now, what I want to teach you today is, I have nothing to do other than try to come against abortion to get this life going. Your mom and daddy hooked up, you're clicking. Some of you clicked about here, some of you are already over here, some of you about down to 1159. But you're clicking. Now in this right here, there's principles of life to get life. But I want to teach you when it's over how to, how to transition as a believer. Let's give you the scripture. For our dying bodies, that shows you no matter how much you believe in Jesus, your bodies just get old. Our mortal bodies must be transformed and our dying bodies, so yellow, green, blue. But they can be transformed into something that will never die. And then this is a strange passage. Death is swallowed up in victory. So this power that looms over you, Jesus Christ is going to swallow it up one day. But then it says this, Oh death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Next verse. This is where it gets really interesting. For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law will give it power. But thanks be to God, he gives, watch, here's the victory. He gives victory over two types of things, sin and death. Now here, if I can play it out, and then I'll close with this thought. Death, the moment Mark Evans is born and I come up and I'm living and everybody's clapping for me. I get birthdays and birthdays and I'm young and I feel good. I'm young. I'm in my 20s. I feel good. I'm in my 30s. I feel good. I'm in my 40s. I now watch Tom Cruise. I don't feel too good at 57. But I go to the gym. I'm going to be like Tom and I rack it up. Now the problem is when I'm 20, that was fun. Now here's what it's like if you were with me at the gym. Oh, God. Oh, Jesus. Just cracking all the time. I'm like, I go to the gym every day. How do I sound like? I sound like a skeleton falling apart. Well, it's because my natural body's decaying. But that's not the issue. The natural body getting older is not your problem. The problem is, while you're getting older, things are stinging you to rob you of God's life. Anger stings you. Unforgiveness stings you. Bitterness stings you. Hatred stings you. Lust stings you. Sin stings you. 
And now your body is being stung all over. Why? Because while you're alive, you're getting stung by sin and it hurts and it takes the joy out of living. And I'm just waving away. And I it just, well, it's just part of getting older. Here's what you have to know. This side of life, you're getting stung to rob you from life. You have authority over that. I don't have to live in bitterness. I don't have to live in unforgiveness. I don't have to live dominated by food. I don't have to live dominated by anxiety. I don't have to have donuts running my life. I don't have to have high blood pressure and blood sugar because I'm living on edge, working 90 hours a week, killing myself, proud that I don't even sleep, destroying the temple of God while I live on the planet. That is the sting of death. And so you have to learn how to take authority over the sting so as you get older, you can rejoice rather than regret. It's the sting of life that causes you to have all these regrets. I should have taken better care of myself. I should have. I never even thought about dying. I just assumed I would die like I would get dementia or something and I always was scared of it. No, 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 no. Here's the second thing. Not only does he deliver you from the stings of death so that you can enjoy life on planet earth, the moment your body says, I'm finished here, the power of death tries to sit over it because death wants to enslave you, watch, so that you can't enjoy this life anymore and you're sure not going to enjoy that one. I'm going to keep you in a place of limbo. I'm going to keep you so diseased and worn out in your physical body that you can't enjoy life here because I'm stinging you, but I'm not going to let you go there either. I'm going to hold death over you. So, you, so either way, I, the devil, the enemy of God that I hate, I hate him. I'm going to destroy everything that is his. So I'm going to destroy his children by stinging them while they're alive. And then when it's time for them to go to daddy, I'm going to put a power over them so they can't even go to him either. Take that! You're sorry. I mean, he hates him. He hates God. So death becomes this battleground. The whole time we're alive, death is working, death is working, death is working, and we're all strung out, mad, and tired, and we don't know how to love life. We're addicted. We're, we're just all kind of words, all kind of pills, all kind of things to stave off the sting because I don't know how to have authority over the sting. I've, I've been driven with it. But then when it comes time to transition into life, I have this power over me, but now there's nothing I can do because I'm not even aware of it. I'm just existing in this corpse of a shell, but I can't go home because my shell won't go. It's too diseased or it's too tired, but I can't go home because death won't release me. Until a man named Gene Evans walked into a room of an old man and said, Death, you have no authority over this man anymore. And death, weird though, death only responds to authority. Death was like, and comes off granddaddy and granddaddy goes, and just goes home. This lie that you have to linger, this lie that you just have to rot away. I'm not saying people don't. I mean, it's evident they do. I'm saying I'm trying to teach you that as long as you're alive, you don't have to fear your death day. You can just simply say one day, by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, when my life comes to its close, and this old body says, I'm done, 
I will simply lay down and I will say to God, I'm coming home for death cannot keep me one day longer in this body. Now, because my earthly dad shared that with me, I have applied it to my life. I have gone into hospitals where people are like, we don't know. We just have no clue what's going on. I mean, they're in ICU. They say they're going to make it. They're not going to make it. They are. And I cannot tell you how many times I've walked into a hospital. And Nothing special about me, so don't think i got some guru thing going on. I have a faith, and I understand death is the enemy of God. And I kind of quietly, I don't do, I don't like, back up everybody, the miracle man's in town. I just walk in, I put my hand on their head. And this is how it typically goes. Death, you got nothing on this person. And right now in this room, you're trying to hang out and cause them not to be able to enjoy life either on planet earth or with God. I take authority over you and right now I proclaim death has no right. And if death has no right to hold them, then two things will happen. They'll either come out of this ICU and go home and live or they'll go home to be with you. In Jesus' name, you've got no authority. I cannot, I wish I'd have kept record. I cannot tell you how many people within a day, a day and a half, 12 hours, 48 hours that call and say, well, daddy went home. Well, mom went home. Well, Death has no power. Here it is. Death, oh, go back, sorry. Go back, yep, death is a power that works to keep you from the life of God. The sting of it is to rob you of life on the earth. Keep you sad, mad, unglad. Sick, expecting it, expecting to fall apart. And... Death, spirit, tries to keep you from life hereafter. I had a talk with my mom and dad the other day, 85 and 83. They're sitting there going, yes, 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 yes. I said, all right, I want to talk to you all about leaving this planet. Because they did what every parent, I don't know. But a couple of years ago, dad said, well, we bought our grave plots today. I got that, dad, I don't want to talk about that. Well, we, we, mom and I were out riding around. We saw this cute little graveyard and we decided to go in. We bought two plots for your mother and I. Dad, I don't, I want to talk about you and mom's plots. I don't, now we went ahead and got our plots and want you to know that it's all there. We went ahead and got our tombstones. Our name is on it. It says Gene Edward Evans and the day I live. And then when we die, you and your brother just put the death date. I'm like, dad, I don't want to talk about that. That's just so morbid. Well, we just wanted to make it easy on you boys that when we're gone, y'all wouldn't even have to think about it. And then I'm talking to mom at lunch. I said, well, I heard you got your plots. She goes, yeah, we did. Oh, it's so nice. She said, we were going to get buried on a hill, but I didn't want to be leaning. I'm like, mom, you wouldn't know. And furthermore, just because of a hill, they don't bury you standing up. They flatten you out. I think she thought if it's on a hill, I'm going to be inclined the whole time. Like, Mom, they don't like bury you standing up. I didn't want to tell her. She's I want to give her honor. She's like, well, we just prayed. I thought, well, that's good. And we just got a spot right on the front row. I was like, well, that's kind of y'all's life. There they are on the front row. 
She said, well, now this is where mothers kind of, with their boys, can kind of jab a little bit. She said, now I know you and Gary probably won't go by and see me much, but we got on the front row and we just thought when you drive by, roll down the window and wave. I'm like, what kind, of, what kind of son do you think I am? I said, that's exactly what I'll do, but I mean... <laughs> she knows me well. But in my talks with them at 85 and 83, here's one thing I know. They learned how to grow old. My dad told me years ago, he said, God gave me a revelation of how to grow old. And I don't have to do it like the rest of the world. I can have, watch, authority over the sting. And as I'm talking with them now and their years to come, I don't know when their years will end on planet earth. But what both of them have told me in exact words, when my time comes, I will just transition over to be with God. Because they've taken authority over a fear, over lingering around, over their brains being gone, over their bodies being gone, over stuck in some place somewhere. They literally have grabbed their faith that death is not an event, it's a power. And if I break the power, the event is a lot sweeter. You don't have to fear it. Here's the conclusion. John eleven twenty five. I'm the resurrection, Jesus said, in the life if you believe in me. You will live, and even after dying, you'll do that. Everyone who lives in me believes in me, and I put this in red for you today. So do you believe this? It's an opportunity for you to start a journey of how you're going to grow old. You can either grow old afraid of it. You can grow old like everybody else in America grows old. You can wonder and live in the unknown of what's going to happen to you. Or you can grab a hold of this just like Mary and Martha and go, wait a minute. The one I serve broke the power of death. The one I serve gives me victory over the sting of death. I think I'm going to enjoy this life and that life. And when this life is over, I'm gone. Nothing can hold me here. Here's the conclusion and then I want to pray for you. You no longer need to fear death. You can grow old. Come on. Knowing that at the end of your journey, life wins. Life wins. So watch. Here's the final object lesson. Tick, 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 Mark's ticking. Mark's now at 57. I'm ticking down. I'm headed this way. I'm headed this way. I'm enjoying life. I'm loving preaching to you. I love going on date nights. I love going to the gym and cracking. And then all of a sudden, my time is up. My day is here. And my day hits. Tick, 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 tick. Death sits down on me. Death has been eradicated. I just keep ticking. And I tick right on into the eternal world. And never miss a beat. That is the beauty. Let me pray for you. Father God, today...